We're going to shift gears a little bit and start a new series. And it's, it's, you know, the Lord's Prayer is, is a powerful prayer. And growing up, I was raised Catholic. And so my, my, my family was Catholic, so we went to Mass most Sundays. And we said the Lord's Prayer every, every Mass, every service. We, the whole church would say the Lord's Prayer. And I don't remember a lot because I was young most of the time when, when we went to, uh, I went to church in uh, St. Rosalima in Milton was where uh, I kind of came up in the faith. And I remember that the prayers were, a lot of them were written and they were, they were a lot of them were done for you. And so you, you prayed prayers um, that had been passed down, the Lord's Prayer being one of them. And they called it the Our Father. I remember go, you know, in Mass, they called that prayer the Our Father and and so I got out of church for a while, and then I ended up getting back into church at a Pentecostal church. And the pastor there prayed like his pants were on fire. <laughs> I'll never, I mean, it was, it was amazing. And they, they, they called it was spirit-filled prayer. And there were no written prayers. There was no, uh, uh, you know, where you prayed in concert, you just prayed all at the same time. Kind of like the, the Acts 2 model. Everybody just prayed what was on their heart. And so you'd go into a prayer meeting, and it would be like a roar in the church because everyone was praying. And, and my pastor, who, who really, I, I studied his life, he was a praying man, Glenn Lowry. Pastor Glenn Lowry, he, start, he, he didn't start, his dad started Pace Assembly, but I remember walking in on him in the, in the sanctuary sometimes and he'd be in there praying. And I, I believe that the secret to his ministry and all God did through him was his prayer life. It was incredible. Like he just, it, it was like, when he would pray, you could sense God. You ever been around anyone like that? Or maybe you had a mom or dad or a grand, grandfather or grandma that, you, like if you had run out of everything you knew to do and you had prayed every prayer you knew, you, you called up grandpa. You know what I'm saying? You called up this person who, when they prayed, stuff happened. And so for the next few weeks, I, I want to dive in to, we're going to call the series Daily Bread. And, and, and what, is, what is prayer? What does it mean? And, and why is it important? And I want to just be just, I've struggled with prayer as a pastor more than any, any other time in my life, the last several years. I, when I would go to pray, I would feel like a resistance to pray. I would just, or, or I would pray for someone for something that I'd been praying for for a long time, and it would happen for them. Not me. You know, have you ever had that? You know, it's like I, 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 let me pray for you. But I've almost at one time I remember saying, I don't, you know, I, I pray for things in my life and I'm not seeing them all the time, and I felt this resistance. Maybe it's just me, but every time I would go, I was like, all right, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray, and, and I've got some things that I need to talk to God about. I would feel this resistance, almost like you know, and and I think the more. I'm just getting started in my, you know, studying the Bible, and I feel like the more that, that we, I was reading the Bible, rather than, you know, wanting to pray more, I was almost going on the side of, well, if, if God knows everything, right, if he's, if he's the God of the omnipredicates, and he's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing, then is, am I going to change his mind? You know, or, and, if, and, if, and, if the, and if history is already set, if, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's sovereign. So, you know, it's not a democracy, it's a kingdom. In a democracy, we get to vote and kind of feel like we have a contribute to what's going on in our life and world. But with God, it's a kingdom. He's a king. 
And, and what he says is what happens. And I, I found myself struggling with, I, I want to call it the paradox of prayer. Like, do, does it really matter? If I, you know, if God has already established in his heart what he's going to do, do my prayers matter? Do they make a difference? I found it hard to pray to an unseen God and, at, and expect seen results in my life. So I struggled with it. So I, so I started reading. I tried reading some books. I got some coaching on, you know, you know learn different things about prayer. And, and, um, and I just kind of want to share what I feel like I'm learning. And I, I want to show you a, a, just two verses real quick. And then we're going to jump into this. Matthew 6, most famous passages on prayer. Matthew 6 is the Lord's Prayer. It's prayed at most football games. It's, it's prayed. You probably, can, you probably can rehearse it and say it right now from memory. But before Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, he gives some, some other things on what not to do. The disciples ask him. The disciples knew how to pray, but they wanted to pray the way Jesus prayed. And, and so before he gives the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verse 5, he says a couple things about prayer and what to avoid. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues in the front of the church, right? They love to pray to be seen on the street corners. But truly, I tell you, that was, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans. They think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you have need of before you ask. He's like, so just don't bother God. He knows what you need. This then should be how you pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. All right, now let's turn one more chapter over. Matthew 7, it's this a Sermon on the Mount, same sermon. Jesus, again, they, this was one, one message that Jesus has given, and he says this about prayer. Matthew 7, verse 7, one chapter over. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, so he's, he's like saying, bother God, bother him, knock, keep knocking. The door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, even though you're, you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And so, Two, ver you know, two, two passages, two verses, chapter 6, chapter 7, same sermon. And so Matthew 6, Jesus says, hey, God knows what you need, your father, before you ask him. You know, you don't have to keep repeating it over and over and over. But then in Matthew 7, he says, if you ask and it doesn't happen, then seek. That means try harder, basically. And if you seek and it doesn't happen, you should knock. Like, it doesn't seem to add up sometimes. It doesn't seem to, to make sense. In, in the Old Testament, Malachi 3, verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. God's got his, his established his mind, and this is what's going to happen. Hosea 11, verse 6, another prophet. My heart is changed within me. This is God. My compassion has changed my mind, right? And so I, I, I genuinely struggled with this, and it, and it started impacting my, my prayer life. I felt like, well, if God is 
already set in what he's going to do. Does it matter? But then I read verses like in, you know, in, in, in Hosea, and then, you know, and then Jesus says, well, don't bother God, but bother God. You know, you know, keep knocking on the door if you don't get what you need or what you're, you're, you're believing him for. And, and so it's kind of a paradox. And so I struggled with that for a while. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking now, though, that God wants to be bothered. And I, and I you know, it's, it, my son, he's, he's seven years old. He's seven. And, and, and sometimes he asks for a lot, you know, like he's, it seems like he's always asking for something. And if he doesn't get it, he keeps asking. And if he doesn't get it, he keeps asking. But I kind of like that <laughs> because I want to spend time with him. You know, I want, him to, I want him to want to talk to me. I know parents say, you know, they're not, right now, maybe they're not talking to their children. And, and, and even if he's asking me for a surfboard, you know, which I need more of those anyways. No, no, I'm just kidding. I've only got 17. Uh, but no, no, but, but it's, it's kind of like I, I, Moses. Moses had this give and take relationship with God. And at one point in Moses' life, Moses got so frustrated with the people he was trying to lead, he went to God and he said, let's just kill these people. Let's just take them out. Seriously. Yeah, he's like, just, I know you can do it. You can open up the ground and they can just drop in. Um, they, they, he says they're stiff-necked. They complain about everything. And God, God you know, just spoke to Moses like, hang on, let's not kill everybody. Let's, maybe there's a better way. And then you, you read a few chapters later in Exodus, and then, you know, Moses goes away for a little bit. And he comes back and the children of Israel, are, they've melted all their jewelry and they're worshiping a golden calf and they're dancing and having a big party. And Moses comes down and says, all right, God, let's kill them. You know, let's, let's, let's do it. And then God says, I think you're right. Let's just do it. And then through a give and take relationship in prayer, Moses changes God's mind this time. Moses says, no, you know, actually, I, I got some faults myself and maybe, we, maybe there's a better way. And that's just one example, but there's, there's examples where the prayers of God's people influence God's decisions. And I think the biggest stumbling block with, with prayer for me was we're kind of in a drive-through society, and when we go to McDonald's, we want to order, and then we want to get our food and pay at the, at the next window and move on. We want to ask for it and get it and move. It's convenient. We're ready to roll. we got stuff to do. But with prayer, it, it's the long game. With prayer, there's, I really believe we are, I'm living in the prayers that people prayed for me before I was even here. That I'm reaping the benefits of prayers from my grandmother. That I'm reaping the benefits of prayer from people that have long passed from this life into eternity. And it's not always immediate. And so the end of the book, in the book of Revelation, there's this picture that we see around the throne room of God, and God is, is there, and it says, Revelation 8, that there was an angel that had a golden censer and came and stood at the altar, and he was given incense to offer. We just sang about this with the prayers of all God's people, prayer and worship. Incense was worship and then prayer. On the golden altar in front of the throne, there was smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hands. Then the angel took the censer, so he's been saving it, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it down to the earth. And it says there was peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes, lightning, and an earthquake. 
what incredible picture we have. That God is reserving your prayers. Even the ones that you've stopped praying. Even the ones that you gave up on. Even the ones that you just said, all right, I'm not going to pray for this anymore. It's over. That God in his, in his sovereignty and his, in his, in his all-powerful, you know, he could save a lot of things. But it says that he's saving the prayers. And, it, and what I love about that picture is that there was a moment where God says, okay, it's time. And he gets the angel to pour out the prayers, and it says there was lightning and thunder. It's a picture of unseen prayers producing something in the natural world. That, that maybe there's, there's more happening in my life and in your life and, and, than what we see. And I think Revelation pulls back the cover a little bit and, and shows us that God does not waste your prayers. There'll never be a prayer that you've prayed that is wasted by God. There'll never be a second that you have spent in prayer where you, you weren't probably doing the best thing you could do with your time at the moment. Now, I've sat on Netflix for four hours and, and then got off it and said, I just wasted a lot of time, right? So come on, I mean, I have been, I mean, it's entertaining, right? But, but I've, I've never once talked to God and regretted it. And so, but, but, I've, but again, there's this struggle, there's this resistance. And I think what I had to get deep down in my heart is I had to believe that my prayers moved God. And when I believe that my prayers move God, I will be moved to pray. And, and sometimes the more that we read and, and study our Bible, sometimes it doesn't produce that result. We tend to believe in a God who is more of a CEO. We tend to believe that he's untouchable. He's in the top right corner of the building. He has somebody hold the elevator for him in the morning so we don't have to talk to nobody because he's got big problems that he's solving that are not on our level. But I don't think it's that way. I don't think it's that way. I don't think even history. I believe that God uses people to change the course of history. He could do it on his own. Yeah, he could just wave a wand, right? He could say, all right, let this be done, and he could do it. But even with Moses, right, he, used, he uses praying people to accomplish his will on the earth. And sometimes we get to set the timeline on it. Because he's waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us to seek. He's waiting for us to knock. C.S. Lewis, the way that he talked about prayer, he's, just, he's like, you know, history is not a timeline. It's not like this, this etched in stone timeline. He said, think of it more as a poem or a song. And that God is writing this poem and it's a, it's a work of art. And as it unfolds, we get to contribute to what is happening on this planet here and now through talking to God, through your prayers, through your conversation. And so God chooses to pray, or use, you know, partner with people through prayer to accomplish what he wants done. And so here's the, I think the real, what we all want to know is how do we pray and see results? That's the real question. More people pray than go to church. If you look, look at the Gallup studies, a lot of people pray almost double the amount of people pray that go to church. And so people pray. I've heard it said that there's no atheists in foxholes, 
You know what I'm saying? You get in, you get in a, a tough enough situation, you're going to call out to somebody. You know what I mean? You're going you're gonna to start praying. You, know, you start taking some risks, you're going to pray. You start having some children, you're going to pray, right? You start, you start doing some things in your life, and you're just going to be driven to prayer. But, but the disciples were Jewish. They'd been trained on prayer since they were kids. So they knew how to pray. But Luke tells us, Luke 11, chapter 1, that one day while Jesus was praying, they asked him, teach us to do, how, teach us to pray. Because we pray and it's like, there seems like there's, sometimes nothing happens, but when Jesus prayed, something incredible happened. And this is what I love about the Lord's Prayer and, and how it was given. You know, Jesus could have busted out a, you know, a, a scroll and started teaching them. He could have referenced Old Testament prayers, the prayer of Jabez, the tabernacle, praying the tabernacle. There's all these different patterns and different prayers, that, but Jesus didn't give them a history lesson. Jesus didn't give them a, a class on theology. When the disciples came to him and asked to pray, you know what he did? He prayed. He didn't say, all right, sit down. We got, you have five hours because I'm going to, you know, he didn't give them breathing patterns. He didn't talk about breath prayers and meditative prayer and transcending prayer. Like, there's all these types of prayers out there, and it's good stuff. I think it's awesome. But Jesus didn't teach on it. Really, he just showed them. And I, I think there's something there. When I think about my life, I was raised Catholic. I'd prayed through some things like in mass, and I, I, I knew how to pray. I knew how to recite prayers, but I never really felt like God heard me. And the first prayer that I've prayed in my life where I felt like God heard me was in one of my friend's house in a bathroom. <laughs> wasn't in a church, wasn't doing something holy. Actually, it was the opposite. I had, I had driven my life down a terrible path and had gotten into a lot of trouble, and that was at the end of my road, the end of my life, really, I thought. And nobody would call an ambulance, and I was at the end of the line for me. And I mustered up anything I knew, that, you know, and I just said, God, if you, can, if you can get me out of this. And that's where I first discovered the power of prayer. Amen? It wasn't in a church. It, it, was, it, was, it was, I got into some trouble. And, and I think with prayer, <laughs> it's the same way, you know, that like we, we begin to discover the power of prayer. It can't be taught that it, ha it has to be discovered. It has to be discovered, and it's only through trial and error. It's only through, you know, and, and, and what I want to encourage you to do is just pray how you know to pray. If you pray in tongues, pray in tongues. If you pray meditative prayer, meditative prayer. If you pray the Lord's Prayer, pray. If you pray the rosary, pray the rosary. The only way to get prayer wrong is to try to get it right. And I could give you a hundred different ways to pray and, the, and, and different meditative prayers. I, I've, just, I've been trying these breathing prayers lately that another pastor showed me, which I think are really awesome. But when we try to get prayer right, that's when we stumble. Because there are no perfect prayers. There's no such thing as, as perfect praying, I believe, that it's all about this relationship and walking with God and discovering that God has more for your life, that he cares, that he wants to talk with you, he wants to be with you. I heard a story, Forrest Gump died and went to heaven. Y'all know Forrest Gump, right? And he got to the, he got to the pearly gates. St. Peter was out there, and he said, Forrest, I'm sorry, but um, we're, we have some big numbers lately, and so we're having entrance exam now. 
Uh, we can't just let everybody in. And so you got to answer three questions for us, and, and I'll let you in. Um, the first question was, how many days of the week start with T? The second question was, how many seconds are in a year? And then the third question was, what is the first name of God? And so Forrest, didn't, he didn't know the answer, so he went away and came back the next day. And he said, all right, Peter, I think I, think I got it. I think I got it. He said, all right, first, the first question, Peter asked him again, all right, what, how many days of the week start with T? He said, two. Peter's like, what? He said, today and tomorrow. <laughs> and so <laughs> Peter scratched his head. He said, all right, I guess that's not what we were looking for, but we'll take it. He's like, all right, sec second question, how, how many seconds are in a year? And Forrest said, I, I got that one. I got that one. 12 seconds in a year. And Peter just, you know, put his hands up. Are you kidding me? What do you mean 12 seconds in a year? He said, it's easy. January 2nd, February 2nd, March 2nd. Come on, right, there's 12 seconds in a year. And so St. Peter was like, all right. I mean, it's not what we were looking for, uh, but uh, I guess I'll give you a, a green check on that one that we'll pass. Third one, what is the first name of God? Forrest said, that one was easy. It's Harold. Peter said, what, Harold? He said, our Father who art in heaven, Harold be thy name. <laughs> Come on, that was funnier than you're laughing right there. So just pray how you know to pray. I didn't know what that word meant for my, most of my life. I thought it was just hollowed. I didn't know. Like, pray the way that you know to pray. I don't think there's a wrong time, a wrong place, a wrong way, because it's a conversation. It's the start. It's the beginning. It's, 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 it's God's way of saying, I want to walk this life with you. The book of Psalms, it's a, it's a book of prayers. David says this in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the side of the sea, your hand will be there to guide me, your right hand to hold me fast. That's David's way of saying there's no place you can go where God can't hear you. That you can reach out to him at any moment, at any time, at any place. That it doesn't have to be mechanical. It doesn't have to be forced. It can be when you're fishing. It can be when you're surfing. It can be when you're playing sports. It, 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 I mean, Paul said pray without ceasing in the New Testament. How are you supposed to pray without ceasing? Are we supposed to just like, like live in a monastery and pray all day? There's people that do that. There's monks that devote their whole life to prayer. But I think what Paul meant by praying without ceasing is he's saying it's like a narrative. It's a conversation that you're having with God every moment of every day. It's at work, it's at home, it's at church, it's everywhere. You're, you're, you're talking, and, and, and God is big enough to be available to everyone at all times. Isn't that amazing that, he's, that he wants that, he wants to hear from you, he wants to be bothered. So the Lord's Prayer. I think before we can really get into the prayer, we have to look at the first two words of it. And so Jesus, again, they asked the disciples, the disciples wanted to know how to pray, so Jesus prays. And in the verses we read before we, we read the first verse of the Lord's Prayer, 
he references father three times. He's talking to them like God, and he's saying, hey, you know, your father knows what you need. And when you go to your father, he's using this word father over and over and over. He begins the Lord's prayer with father. Now, for us, that's not a big deal because we've, we've heard people pray to God as father, and we, we, you know, that's, I think, something a lot of people are familiar with. But in that day, when this was happening, if we could go back to that moment, that was a really big deal. Like, that was heresy. That's something you didn't do. You didn't reference to God as father. That's why there's not one Old Testament reference where anybody prayed to God as father. And in the New Testament as well, the only person who seemed to pray to God as, to fa- as father was, was Jesus. All of his prayers but one, he referenced God. He started with father. So this was brand new to the disciples. This was brand new to everyone that was listening that was, you know, and, and I think this was why the Pharisees began to get really angry and say, we got to take this guy out because referencing God as father was saying, well, Jesus was basically saying, well, I'm his son. Father. Now, for some people, when, you, when I say that, it's a really good thing because you had a great dad and you're like, man, that's awesome. That, I, that, that God wants me to come to him as father. And Jesus not only prayed, but he invites us to use the family name our father. So he's, he's now, he, he's, you know, it's not just Jesus praying to God as father. He's inviting the disciples and me and you to approach God as father. For some people, they are happy to hear that. For others, you may have a blank where that word is. You may not have had a father. Or maybe the version of father that you had was not a person that you wanted to come and ask for anything. I don't know. But I, I want you to know that, that it's not so much in that term, but I want you to see what it means, father. There's three pieces of that. It means a nourisher, a protector, and an upholder. Father. Now, maybe you, can't, you don't have a great illustration of father that you can use it as an example, but I'm sure there was somebody in your life that was there to uphold you when you felt like you were going to fall. Or maybe there was somebody there to provide for you when you didn't have a father there to provide for you. And somehow, some way, it was a cousin or aunt or an uncle or a coach or a teacher or a mentor was there to bring you what you needed exactly when you needed it because the person that was supposed to do it may not have been there to do it. This great father that we all have. And it's all about the approach, I think, when it comes to prayer. It's how we view God. Do we view him as a nourisher, as a protector, as a provider? Or do we view him maybe as somebody that's mad or somebody that doesn't really care what's going on in our lives? It's all about the approach. I heard a story about a guy who was at the end of his life, he had cancer, and his daughter, who was taking care of him, um, called the priest at the local parish. The priest wasn't able to go, so he sent the associate priest. He said, we please come pray with my father. He's, 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 he's ill, it's the end of his life. And so the priest comes into the room, and immediately the man that's, that's there, he's dying, he, he tells the priest, listen, I, I don't pray right out of the gate. 
I don't believe in prayer. I've never been good at it. So, uh, you know, I tried church. He's again raised Catholic. He says, and I asked my priest to help me with prayer. So he gave me this book on prayer. He's like, and I, I got about three, I got about three lines in, and I had to start, I had to start looking up what words meant. And so I just gave up on prayer. The priest said, that's okay, that's fine. And so he sat and he talked with the man. He said, this is this is what I'm going to do. There was a chair that the priest was sitting in next to his bed. So I'm going to get up and leave. And I want you to imagine at this chair right here that God is sitting in it, right here with you. And I'm going to leave, and I want you to talk to God. I know you can't see him, and it's just a chair, but I want you just to imagine that God is in that chair, and he's listening. So a few days later, he passes away. The daughter calls the priest and tells him what had happened, and, and the priest asked, well, did he, did he go peacefully? How, how, how was it at the end of his life? And she said he went very peaceful, but there was one weird thing. When we went in and we found him in the room, he, was, he laid his head in the chair. And what I'm finding in my life is that prayer, prayer begins with God's compassion, not our condition. And if you're trying to earn your access to God, you're trying to be good enough to get to him, or get your life straight before maybe he'll listen to you. Or maybe once, once you get ahead, you'll have time for... No, no, no. It all begins with our Father, his compassion and his heart towards you. He loves you. He cares about you. Says he's numbered the hairs on your head. And there's nothing I believe he, that he wouldn't do for you in your time of need and struggle. And, and it's so hard to see that and to believe that sometimes because... We live in a world that's fallen and we live in a world that's broken and we have a lot of bad examples, but he's the perfect example. So I want you just to bow your head for a moment. Father, we thank you so much for your kindness, your gentleness towards us. But I believe that right now in this moment, you're, you're speaking to your children. You're, you're moving in the hearts and lives of your kids, your people. And Lord, we, we're open. But if there's a, a block in my life that's been keeping me from praying, and maybe that block is in my mind and how I've envisioned what you're like. Maybe I believed that you were just a quiet God and you don't speak anymore. Or maybe I believed you were a mad God and everybody that talked to me about God most of my life said he was pretty mad about what I'd done and where I'd been. And Lord, right now, I just we open our hearts to your Holy Spirit. S search our hearts, God. And Lord, help us to see a clear picture of who you are. Help us to see the cross where your arms were stretched wide and you were hung high for the whole world to see, to show us, every person, how much you loved us, to give us access to your Father. You didn't teach it, you demonstrated it, and you walked the walk. You gave your life so that right now, in this moment, we can pray to God and we have access to him because of you, because of Jesus. 
And so, Lord, we just, we, we receive that today, fresh, brand new. The only thing that we have to stand on when we come to you in prayer is it's a, it's a cross on Calvary's hill. It's nothing that we have done or didn't do. We can't earn access to you, but you did the work. And so, Lord, we just received that again fresh this morning. You said that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Not because of our behavior, but because of a man named Jesus who gave his life on Calvary's hill. And God, we just, we, we believe that fresh and again. Lord, drill that deep into our hearts and souls today. And every time the enemy tries to convince us that we're not good enough, every time the enemy tries to convince us to keep our mouths quiet because God's too busy, every time the enemy tries to tell us that we can't pray to God because of what we've done, Lord, remind us that you made a way. So, Lord, we just thank you so much. We give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.